You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with a plea from a Burnaby family. They're calling on a driver to do the right thing and turn themselves into police. That's after a motorist hit their teenage son and left the scene. As Nadia Stewart reports, the boy was seriously injured. My heart is too, too broken because this is, this, is, this is no good for me. I'm very sad. Milagro Gijen is still trying to understand why someone would hit her son and then drive off, leaving him lying in the middle of the road just blocks from his Burnaby home. Some, somebody tell me your son in the ground because somebody hit me. For me say no, oh my God, no. It happened Monday evening at around 5.30. Her 13-year-old son Joseph was on his way to the Edmonds Community Centre when police say he was hit by a vehicle near 17th Avenue and Humphreys. The driver of the vehicle left the scene. The boy was found in the street. We don't know where he was hit, so we don't know if he travelled after being hit. He's, he's going to be okay, but uh, he's in rough shape right now. We are lucky that, that our son is only on the lake, but he could be dead. The boy underwent surgery for a broken leg this morning. He's also recovering from a concussion and doesn't remember what happened. Family and friends are pleading for witnesses to come forward. If you guys know of anything last night about this hit and run, we would really appreciate it. But neighbors say road safety is a concern on Humphreys, where there is no sidewalk, no speed bumps, and drivers are often in a rush to get to Edmonds. There is no signal here. I mean, there are no, I don't believe there are any humps, and if there are, people are always speeding. You'd think speed bumps, you know, more speed bumps would be needed, more creative solutions, but, you know, yeah, unfortunately, that's just gut-wrenching. While they call for improvements, Joseph's family just wants closure. They're calling on the driver of the vehicle that hit their son to come forward. Why, why he not no call the ambulance or 911? Why he leave? Just tell us what happened. Uh, whether the collision was your fault or not, uh, leaving the scene uh, becomes a whole different matter. Nadia Stork, Global News. Some unsettling news for people living in a South Surrey neighborhood. A man was found dead in a home in the area on Monday. Grace Key reports. The person living in the South Surrey home made the gruesome discovery Monday night. He found a man dead inside and contacted police. There were some friends staying in the house and it was one of their friends or something. The house is located on 152nd Street and 22nd Avenue. The victim's identity has not been released and there's no word yet on how this person was killed. It was shortly before 9.30 Monday night when police arrived after getting a report that a man's body was located inside. Oh, so you don't even know the person? I don't even know the person. IHIT, the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team, has taken over this case. Investigators believe the incident was contained to the home and there's no ongoing threat to the public. On this Christmas Eve, that's put neighbors somewhat at ease. I found out there was a murder here last night, which is very unsettling. Uh, White Rock is not quite the place it used to be. So I'm driving past my wife and the police cars there, what's happening? I, I had no idea, of course. That's pretty scary, yes. Anyone with information is asked to contact IHIT. Grace Key, Global News. RCMP on Vancouver Island are searching for a criminal who showed some holiday spirit during a heist. Nanaimo RCMP are on the hunt for a bank robbery suspect who hit the Bank of Montreal at Terminal Park Mall Monday afternoon wearing a Santa hat. 
The alleged thieving Santa Claus approached a teller and demanded cash, indicating he had a weapon. The suspect ran off with an undisclosed amount of money. The bad Santa is described as 40 to 50 years old, 5 feet 8 inches tall with a brown and gray goatee. He was wearing a Castles and Crooks hoodie. His Santa hat, leather jacket, gloves and sunglasses were found dumped in the bank parking lot. Meantime, Abbotsford police are investigating two armed robberies that happened within less than an hour of one another. The first one happening just before 10 o'clock last night at a liquor store in the 32100 block of Marshall Road. The second about half an hour later at a gas station in the 29600 block of Fraser Highway. In both cases, a man produced a handgun and managed to get away with some cash. Police believe both are connected and released a photo of a masked man from surveillance footage. If you have any information about the robberies, call Abbotsford Police or Crime Stoppers. In the North Okanagan, a senior is recovering from a frightening ordeal when someone tried to snatch her purse. And as Megan Turcato reports, it's not the only violent robbery in the area this holiday week. It happened before 8 p.m. Monday evening, two days before Christmas, as patrons at the Village Green Mall were completing their holiday shopping. Police said the woman was walking back to her car. She wasn't physically hurt, but was shaken up by the attack. The assailant ran off with some witnesses in pursuit, but he got away. Police are describing the suspect as a Caucasian male around 5'5 to 5'6 in height with a thin build and patchy short facial hair. In a separate incident about half an hour later, this Enderby liquor store was robbed by a man with his face covered. Who knows what's behind someone doing that? One of the shop's owners was minding the store when it happened, and according to her colleagues, she originally thought it was someone playing a prank, but it quickly became clear that wasn't the case. Actually, I talked to her this morning, and she was saying it just didn't feel real whatsoever. Um, it was like in slow motion. It was like a movie, like it wasn't happening. She's shaken up. Of course she would be. You've got a gut in your face. The assailant pointed what appeared to be a handgun at her, although there are some questions about whether the weapon was real. She was slow to give him the money, but it was a little too slow, so he reached over and grabbed the till drawer and just dumped all the money into a green bag. Then he asked her for cigarettes, and then he leaned over and grabbed all the cigarettes and took them, and then just ran out the door. Leaving the shaken business owner uninjured, but Pigeon wonders if it would have been worse if a customer had walked in and hopes the culprit can be found. I would hope so. You know, if it was a real gun, whatever, and if someone, say, walked through that door, would he have shot him? Or, or, and then, you know, he's, he's playing with people's lives. Megan Turcato, Global News, Enderby. Well, if you haven't done your Christmas shopping yet, it's down to the wire now. It was the night before Christmas, and people are still shopping up to the last minute. We all lead busy lives, and not everyone can get it done early enough. Our cameras caught last-second gift buyers scurrying at Park and Tilford Mall in North Vancouver today and at Pacific Centre in downtown Vancouver. The clock is definitely ticking now, with only a few stores open after dark on Christmas Eve. The last minute stop, we're, not, we're on their way there right now. Are you ready for Christmas already? Or? I suppose so. Yeah. All right. What are you doing today? I uh, just running around doing some last-minute shopping. Uh, yeah, how, how many gifts? So I guess you? I lied. <laughs> uh, just getting some uh, some beer, some champagne, and then uh, a little bit of groceries. Go to the in-laws. Definitely last-minute shopping all the time, right? <laughs> <Are you laughs> I'm a last-minute shopper. Well, just shopping for some toys for my niece. Uh, my last 
the last touch for my dress, heels, some accessories. So it's been crazy because last day, but here we go. And good luck to everybody who's still doing some last minute shopping. While traffic is flowing once again on Highway 97 in the South Okanagan after a rock slide blocked the highway for several hours. Rocks came down onto the highway south of Okanagan Falls just after midnight, shutting it down in both directions for about 11 hours today. Witnesses say some of those rocks were four to six feet wide. We thought we'd better call um, 911 to let them know that there was the rock slide because if somebody came and hit it, it would, you know, could have been fate. Like some of those rocks are huge. Well, the holidays are a time to look back at the year that was and look forward to what's ahead. B.C. Premier John Horgan sat down with our Keith Baldry and spoke about Western alienation and how B.C. stands apart from its direct neighbours. I, I think that the issues in Saskatchewan and Alberta are real, certainly for the people who live there. The recent federal election returned only one non-conservative. Uh, a new Democrat was elected in Edmonton. Uh, Saskatchewan is all blue. Alberta's blue, but for a, a speck of orange in the middle. You go to Manitoba and you've got a diverse collection of members of parliament, uh, conservative, liberal, NDP. Uh, come to British Columbia, similarly, a uh, majority of our members are conservative, a big chunk of liberals, a big chunk of, uh, chunk of New Democrats, and even a, a garnish of green. So when you look at the electoral map in BC, it pretty much mirrors uh, the House of Commons in Ottawa. So in terms of are you unhappy with the result of the election, I think everyone's got something to, to gripe about. My approach to federal-provincial relations has been to build relationships so that we can get uh, a federal government that understands our issues, whether it be fisheries, transportation, uh, infrastructure, building more, uh, more SkyTrain stations, building more, uh, more rapid transit, uh, helping us electrify our economy to meet our climate objectives. Uh, that has to be a partnership. So I've chosen to not fight with Ottawa, but to try and find a way forward with Ottawa. And I've offered to the Prime Minister and to his deputy, uh, Christian Freeland, uh, if there's anything I can do to help uh, build relationships between Ottawa and Saskatchewan and, and Alberta, I'm happy to do that. And I have gone out of my way to build relationships with both of uh, the premiers in those two provinces. Uh, and I think we've made some pretty good progress on at least establishing a personal relationship. And from that, then you can start working on those policy differences that we have. And you can catch our full interview with Premier Horgan airing on Global BC Christmas Day at 6.30 after a special edition of the News Hour and throughout the holidays on BC One. Well, this Christmas Eve marks one year since a Vancouver retailer got the first license to legally sell marijuana in the city. Aaron MacArthur has more on the past year of legalized pot and the challenges that remain in the new year ahead. Did you want light or dark chocolate? A year in the making. The first legal edible product sold at Evergreen Cannabis. Vancouver's first ever pot shop has finally entered Cannabis 2.0. Oh, these are the mints. It's been a tumultuous year for cannabis in BC. Legal since October 2018, the first Vancouver licenses weren't handed out until Christmas Eve. Come on in, let's do this. Evergreen wouldn't open its doors until January. Where we were last year at this time, like pacing back and forth, wondering if they'll get it to us on time, to, to where we are now, you know, it's been a ridiculous year. Despite complaints of bureaucratic bungling, Vancouver now has 17 shops up and running. The number of stores, always been a comfortable growth curve for the provincial government. We're getting where we need to be. Um, as we said at the beginning of this, it's an evolution. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a couple of years to uh, uh, get a fully functioning retail system up. Edibles, too, have had a slow introduction. Legal since October, 
There has been strong pushback from doctors who say there hasn't been enough testing. The Canadian Medical Association believes 10 milligrams is too high a dose and says federal regulations need to be half that much. In my mind, it really feels like the major uh, release of legalization is done. Everything's out there now. In one year, the price for almost all cannabis products has come down and the quality has gone up. Consumers slowly starting to transition away from the grey or black market towards legal weed. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Canadians are currently in the firefight down under trying to help bring Australia's devastating wildfires under control and a West Kelowna company has also been doing their part. Our reporters from Global Okanagan. The fire season in Australia has been uh, unprecedented conditions with high temperatures and low relative humidities and widespread fire all across the state of New South Wales. It is one of the worst fire seasons on record in New South Wales, Australia. The states of Queensland and New South Wales have both declared a state of emergency. Blair Savage is the CEO and Chief Operations Manager of Valhalla Helicopters, located in West Kelowna. And he just got back from New South Wales three weeks ago. Valhalla helicopters have been operating in Australia since 2010 and Savage says this is the worst fire season he's seen yet. We provide mainly uh, water bombing services. Um, our helicopters carry 1,400 litres of water and with foam retardant or fire retardant provided by them. Savage says they typically support ground crews protecting structures. At this point in time, uh, they've been experiencing extreme heat waves and fire conditions that we've never seen before. He says some of the fires he's seen in the Okanagan can compare to Australia's, but not on a mass scale like Australia is experiencing now. We have seen uh, small snippets of comparable conditions here in Canada and especially in the Okanagan, but They've been short-lived, where in Australia they've seen these conditions now for over eight weeks. According to New South Wales Rural Fire Services, there are currently around 111 bush and grass fires burning across New South Wales, with more than 54 of them being uncontained. Three helicopters just like this one are in New South Wales, Australia, fighting forest fires. Blair says he expects their fire season to end sometime near March. Darian Matasafan, Global News, West Kelowna. And Australians are saying thanks this Christmas to firefighters who helped save their homes from the devastating wildfires. Volunteers delivered hundreds of presents for firefighters and their families to a fire station about 95 kilometres south of Sydney. It's a region of southeast Australia that's been hardest hit since the fires broke out in September. Nine people have died in the fires, including two volunteer firefighters when their truck was hit by a falling tree. Today's generosity brought one firefighter to tears. It's just overwhelming support, like, um, you know, obviously all the presents and stuff for the kids, and I think that's just what they need at the moment. Um, I haven't even gone to Christmas shopping or anything for my daughter. Um, she's about 10-1 in January on the 11th. Um, yeah, just... 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Vancouver's annual Labor Christmas dinner is celebrating its 25th year. Volunteers from BC's labor movement serving a full turkey dinner to up to 1,000 people at the Maritime Labor Centre tonight. Workers also providing gifts for kids and families. The annual tradition brings people together and after all the turkey and trimmings, each family will head home with a hamper of food and vegetables and clothes and toys. Well, this takes a lot of volunteers. It's been going on for well over a month of uh, folks getting ready. Lots of volunteer stuff, lots of volunteer people. They've been working for days to get ready and tonight they're going to make life a little brighter for those on Christmas Eve. This is our way of giving back. I think um, we're really fortunate in life to be able to do a lot of things and um, this, is, this is how we want to help the community. Thousands of Christians have descended upon the West Bank town of Bethlehem, the traditional birthplace of Jesus for Christmas Eve celebrations. The Holy Land's Christian population has shrunk over the decades compared to the general population, but Christmas festivities are typically a boost for Bethlehem's flagging economy. The Palestinian tourism minister says this year's festivities have capped the most successful year in history for local tourism. And Pope Francis celebrated Mass at the Vatican tonight in a packed St. Peter's Basilica. Without mentioning them specifically, the 83-year-old pontiff referred to the recent troubles with the Catholic Church, including efforts to come to grips with sexual abuse scandals. In Alberta, a widow and an entire city are mourning the death of Jim Williams. The 69-year-old man was fatally shot Friday night in a Walmart parking lot in Red Deer. The shooting was random, and today police say the gunman tried to kill two others that night. Global's Fletcher Kent has the latest. Roxine Williams sits at her kitchen table, numb. Jim was my best friend. He was my travel partner. He was my... He was my everything. On Friday evening, she and her husband, Jim Williams, went to Walmart. He needed a couple items and Roxine waited in the car. When Jim returned, there was a confrontation outside their door. And he started to open it and I heard a pop. And he slammed the door and he said, stay there. Those were the last words he ever said to Roxine. Jim was shot in a suspected attempted robbery. But as the suspect fled the parking lot in a stolen car with another person, more violence. The shooter had engaged two other people in the parking lot and shot at them. It was all random. Initially, police described the attack as targeted. Now Mounties say they were trying to ease fears. The initial messages that had been uh, received in social media were such that there was a mass shooting at Walmart and there were up to six to eight people who had been shot. We wanted to immediately quell that information. Police later stopped two stolen vehicles near Rimby and arrested two people. 18-year-old Chase Freed is charged with second-degree murder and two counts of attempted murder. 30-year-old Crystal Maurice's charges include accessory to murder. There's no script for tragedies. Whatever the motivation for the crimes, they've shaken Red Deer. It has absolutely 
uh, fueled fear in our community uh, for the simple reason that it was, uh, a, it was a very random and violent act. As a result, a memorial outside Walmart continues to grow. The public support has made life bearable for Williams, who now is simply trying to remember all that made her husband great and what she'll miss the most. How loving he was. He loved his children. He loved his grandchildren. He loved his great-grandchildren. He loved me. Fletcher Kent, Global News. Christmas Eve in Hong Kong was marked with tear gas and rubber bullets. Pro-democracy protesters have renewed their fight following a week's relative calm. NBC's Molly Hunter reports. Another round of serious anti-government protests have broken out in Hong Kong. This time, uh, the so-called Silent Night protests on Christmas Eve have taken place in at least two locations. This video right here is at a mall. Very violent protest. You see uh, police beating protesters there with batons. One protester told Reuters they thought it would be a good opportunity to spread the message on a night when so many families, tourists might be out shopping on Christmas Eve. I think we should remind all those that... Uh, our fight is, has not end yet, and we should continue our fight. Another location uh, down in Kowloon, a heavily touristed area, lots of luxury shops and luxury hotels, and of course, across from the Hong Kong Harbor. And you see the protesters holding umbrellas, clashing with police reports of pepper spray and tear gas. These protests are getting into their seven month, uh, and they have lost some of the scale and intensity. Some 6,000 people have been arrested over the last seven months. And protesters are planning to come out again on New Year's Day. We will be watching very closely. Molly Hunter, NBC News, London. The former Uber CEO is officially severing ties with the company he founded a decade ago. Uber announced today that Travis Kalanick will be leaving the company's board of directors effective December 31st. He will reportedly focus on his latest venture called Cloud Chicken, which rents out space to restaurants for delivery-based businesses. Kalanick was ousted from Uber in 2017 over concerns he had fostered an unhealthy workplace environment, but he remained on the board. A tight situation in India where a truck carrying an abandoned plane got stuck under a bridge. The incident happened in the middle of the night and highway officials blamed a lack of communication as the cause of the blockage. It was finally pulled out using ropes providing quite the entertainment for people watching. Prince Philip is out of hospital and has joined members of the royal family for Christmas. A helicopter believed to be carrying the 98-year-old was seen landing at Sandringham Estate shortly after he was released from hospital. That's the private country home of the Queen. The Duke of Edinburgh was admitted to a London hospital last Friday for what Buckingham Palace says was a pre-existing condition. It's not known yet if Prince Philip will join the Queen at the traditional Christmas morning church service tomorrow. And Buckingham Palace released this photo of the monarch as she recorded her annual Christmas message, which will air tomorrow. Excerpts uh, released by the palace show the Queen referencing a bumpy year. She is believed to be referring to Brexit as the UK leaves the European Union. The royal family has also dealt with her son Prince Andrew's retreat from public duties after he publicly defended his friendship with convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. And there's been a public rift between grandsons Princes uh, William and Harry. <laughs> Meantime, Prince Harry and wife Meghan have shared their Christmas card. No surprise, their seven-month-old baby Archie is front and center. The card reads, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from our family to yours. The young family is spending their Christmas in Canada. 
And Eric Carmador with the Royal Air Force shared on Twitter recently the Christmas card Will and Kate apparently sent her. The family is posed outside around a vintage motorcycle. The post has since been deleted. Kensington Palace, which represents the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, has not revealed the family's official Christmas photo. In health matters, tis the season for travel and big family gatherings, which is the perfect storm for spreading the flu. Flu season typically, uh, typically peaks in January, but many parts of the country are already seeing plenty of people getting sick. As Heather Yorks West explains, children are particularly vulnerable this time of year. Health officials now have a sense of what strains of flu are circulating across the country. We're seeing mostly H3N2, but also an unusually high amount of influenza strain B. H3N2 typically causes more severe illness for seniors, but influenza B can be especially hard on little children. It's unusual to see so much influenza B activity so early in the season, but doctors say parents can take steps to prevent their little ones from getting sick. It's important that uh, people get vaccinated. We have seen, as usual again, that most of the uh, cases that require admission to hospital have not been vaccinated. Getting the formula right for the flu shot year to year is tricky because the flu viruses are always changing. While we don't yet know how effective this year's flu shot will be, public health officials say it is the best defensive tool we have. Heather Urex West, Global News, Calgary. Well, check out this gigantic Christmas tree that's attracting crowds in the Kootenays, which doesn't actually involve an actual tree. That's coming up after Christy and the forecast. Well, hard to believe, but 20 years ago at around this time, the clock was ticking towards a new millennium. We're also nervous about the Y2K bug. Would our computers survive the change into the 2000s? NBC's Harry Smith with a look back. Dudes. This is what you have to know. In the year 1999, America was freaking out. No, like, seriously, oh my God, freaking out. And at a Chicago water company, a steady stream of customers. I have two gallons at home, but I come pick up three more just in case. All day, store director Rick Smith watched consumers get Y2K ready. Batteries sell extremely well, the lamp oil, uh, generators, uh, flashlights. Our increasingly digital age was about to digitize us into oblivion. The problem? Numbers. Or more accurately, the number 2000, as in the year 2000. Many a tech expert worried that especially older computers would not know what to do when the 99 inside tumbled over to zero zero. Numerous software programs just weren't set up for it. The bottom line is that most communities in America are not yet ready for Y2K with only six weeks left to go. As word spread, so did fear. Would the power grid hold up? Would planes fall out of the sky? Will the subway just stop? Traffic lights go dark. In the U.S., we threw money at Y2K like there was no tomorrow. Well north of $100 billion was spent on Y2K fixes back when $100 billion was real money. The office IT person became more important than the CEO. Nerds ruled, unquestioned. There ensued a mania, people stocking up on provisions as if preparing for the end of time. An arithmetic Armageddon was descending on us. New Year's Eve arrived, and plenty of folks were thinking, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow, well, we knew there'd be no tomorrow. The clock struck midnight. 
and lo and behold, pretty much everything still worked. I'm pleased to report that what you already know, that we don't have anything to report. Which meant all that preparation paid off. Certainly the flu bug has affected us much more than the Y2K bug, which I think is probably non-existent. Or we had been duped into fearing a bunch of nonsense. Y2K? Why indeed. Good evening and happy Christmas Eve to everyone. I'm sure you're uh, getting your things all ready for Santa, cookies and uh, carrots for the reindeer. I'm sorry you're stuck with me with this voice, but other people are off tonight. I have tomorrow off. Here's a quick look at Christmas in Vancouver. Some stats for you. Warmest, thanks to Environment Canada, 14.3 degrees in 2005. Coldest ever, minus 12 degrees in 1964. Most snow on the ground, you probably remember this, 41 centimeters, and that was in 2008, and the most snow. Snow fell during the day was up to 17.5 centimeters, and that was in 1971. Let's have a look at what we'll see tonight. So we will see a few flurries if you're traveling uh, this evening or tomorrow morning. Slushy conditions on the Malahat and Highway 4, Allison Pass, Coquihalla and Connector flurries. And Sea to Sky will see some snowfall, especially up north of uh, Squamish up towards Whistler. Santa, as he's flying across B.C., will be a cold one tonight in through the far north with wind chills close to minus 20 across the south not too bad but conditions will get gradually colder over the next few days not a lot expected for our christmas day right across the province it looks fairly dry but the south coast will see a few showers or flurries so this evening showers lower down but flurries potentially higher up as we mentioned malahat highway 4 expecting it and that's right into christmas morning now i've kept in a chance of showers for christmas morning in metro vancouver but it looks like it will be a much drier day so mainly cloudy for our Christmas day with potential breaks of blue sky by the afternoon hours. And then moisture pushes in later in the day on Boxing Day. All right, there's your sunshine for your Christmas day, everyone. Really a beautiful day, although some valley cloud expected in through the south. But for our region, just a chance of showers mainly in the morning. Wet flurries over higher terrain. Uh, So Wednesday not looking too bad. Christmas day drier by the afternoon. Thursday mostly dry, but we could see some moisture Thursday night. All right. Thanks very much, Christine. Hope you feel a bit better by tomorrow morning. Uh, All right. After a decade-long absence, a giant Christmas tree is once again lighting up the city of Cranbrook. The tree at Sandor's Rentals took a week to set up with the help of a crane operator. The equipment rental company decided to bring back the 47-meter-tall tree ahead of 89-year-old Frank Sandor's planned retirement next year. Sandor has been in business for 50 years and wanted to do something special this year. He's holding a contest for anyone under age 16 who wants to guess how many lights are on the tree. Sandor is giving away three cash prizes, including $500 for first place to those who come close to the correct number. I bought 18,000 lights and I bought another couple thousand on the top of it here and there for special lights. But it's, it's quite the spectacle. Um, it takes a lot of work to set it up. But, you know, as being part of the community, I re- recall it. And I just wanted to set it up again and, uh, you know, share with the community what we can do for them. You can see it right across town, basically. So it's really nice. It's very beautiful. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, uh, Frank does something like this every year, but this is way above and beyond as far as I can tell. Merry Christmas. 
I think Frank dropped a pretty good hint there, but well, uh, we had 20,000 <laughs> plus. Helped out. I'm guessing 20,000 plus. Yes. Not a, you got to be close exact, so there's still uh, a little bit of a gray area. Okay. But, uh, that'll help you ballpark it. Well, they lost their Western Hockey League team, but they got their tree back. That's right. So. The tree is back. Good. Uh, just before we have a little preview of sports, a tradition here, uh, we always like to check in on Santa, oh, the, the NORAD idea. tracker, as many do at home. Uh, he, oh, apparently he's stalled in the sky. No, he's moving, he's moving a little bit here. Okay, so he's got some uh, big uh, terrain to cover. He's currently uh, approaching Bolivia, and he's going to land there in just under two minutes, and he's approaching five billion Presence delivered. So getting a little bit closer to these parts here, one stop at a time. Always an exciting time. My kids have just been buzzing the last couple really? of days. Yeah. What time do they have to go to bed? They uh, they go to bed, try for about 9 o'clock. And what time do they get up? 6.37. Nah, I thought so. So that's about average, I think. <laughs> that is, so, yeah. yeah. It's always good to be the first. I mean, when I was a kid, our lights were always the first on. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Has, you have to be first up. Yeah. Out. You were there? I was there, yeah. yeah. Of course, check Aurora, out. Aurora, is that what it is? Aurora, but go down the slide. Do the slide. Do the, do the what is it? I forget the name of it, but it's like a slide. Okay. And if you want to go faster, yeah. they'll put dishwasher soap on the bottom, and that really gets you going. Is that safe? Oh, serious. Okay. I, well, I don't know if it's safe, but it certainly goes faster. They would have tested it. They, I'm they sure tested. it's okay. Oh, yeah. No one, no one was killed. Well, nice to see the Canucks on a bit of a roll heading into the break. I know. What was that all about? A couple well, week ago, everybody, oh, fire Benning, fire yeah. Green, and now we're all good again. Okay. The goal that started the uh, Canucks' third-period comeback last night in that 4-2 win against Edmonton was part Bo Horvat and part Cristiano Ronaldo. It was so close to soccer style that when they went to the review, most people thought it was not going to count. Even Horvat, I think believed he might lose this one, considering how lucky he has been at home when it has come to goals. Yes, he doesn't swing his foot at it, which would have been a definite no goal, but he does seem to push his foot towards the puck. However, the people who review such things saw enough gray area in the move that maybe, maybe it was just him trying to stop. Tis the season, so they gave him the gift of a goal in front of the home fans. As for Horvat himself, he's not admitting anything. He has a good excuse for his innocence. I just, honestly, I just tried to stop as, as quick as I could at the net. And, um, you know, thankfully I went off my skating in. It was going to take one of those for me to go in. And Pierce made a heck of a play to get it on that. And thankfully it uh, hit me. You've never played soccer. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to kick No, I, that's not a kick in motion. Absolutely. That's <laughs> a stopping. I'm a terrible soccer player, so I wouldn't have been able to kick that. Okay. Uh, exactly one week ago, as we said, there was no Christmas cheer with the Canucks. They had lost three in a row. They weren't scoring. If you put the clausometer to measure the Christmas spirit from the movie Elf on Canuck Nation, it would have been dangerously low. But after beating Vegas, beating Pittsburgh, and last night beating Edmonton, the holidays are happy again. The Canucks might not be in a playoff spot. They're one point out. But it's been a while since they've gone into Christmas with a winning record. The good tidings for the Canucks began when a Christmas miracle, also known as a Chris Tanev goal, beat the Golden Knights in overtime last Thursday. Back for Tanev, Deeks scores! The three-game win streak has kept the theme since that great start in October of a roller coaster ride of emotions for the Canucks. There's been so many little ups and downs through the year. Uh, with an older team, you probably wouldn't 
worry about it as much. Uh, I think they anticipate that. With a younger team, you worry about confidence. And uh, when our team feels good, they play better. I, I do know that. I can, I've seen I can, I've seen it already this season. But despite the majority of their best players being 24 or younger, the Canucks don't like to seem overly happy with their recent surge. It's December right now, and uh, you know we can't get ahead of ourselves. We're you know we're still looking in, I think, and uh, you know we want to be in the top. And uh, you know I don't think we've proven anything to ourselves that we didn't already know. Like I, I've been saying before, we I think everybody in this uh, in this room believe in each other and believe that we we have a group that can be successful in the long run. And uh, you know everybody want to play and help help each other, which is you know I think that's number one key to be successful. Well, because of injuries, the Seattle Seahawks signed two former running backs to play this Sunday against San Francisco, Robert Turbin and Marshawn Lynch. Of course, Lynch is the bigger name of the two. And while some see his return as an early Christmas gift to an ailing team, is he just a novelty gift? Or will he be the gift that keeps on giving for not just this week, but also the playoffs? To continue with the Christmas theme, the Seattle Seahawks are hoping... For the ghost of Marshawn Lynch past. You know, we'll find out how he, how he can play and how he does. You know, it's been a little while off. He looks great um, in the first couple looks at him uh, as far as his conditioning and all of that. Uh, his weight's down. He's in, you know, he's in, he's in a really good spot for, for coming and going for it. He was very serious about getting ready for this opportunity. And, and uh, you know, he's ready to take full opportunity uh, at hand and see what he can do to help us. First and goal. Lynch. Winston was in there. Then he was... Good up, but look at him, he never quits, he never quits! That's the Marshawn Lynch that people remember in Seattle and the one the Seahawks need. And for the guys who know him, who played with him before, just having Lynch back is a huge boost. I feel like, you know, anything this dude puts his mind to it, he, he can get it done. So, um, you know, I'm excited to have him back, excited to, to see him run the ball. And uh, like I said, you know, whenever he puts his jersey and pads on, uh, he's a guy that no one wants to tackle, no matter how long he's taken off. Now, we don't know if Marshawn Lynch can be like his old self. He hasn't played since last year. But we do know the offensive scheme in Seattle is not a lot different from the one he used to work with. For the most part, it's similar. It's more similar than it isn't. Um, there's, uh, there's terminology you know, that's tacked on to stuff and motions and formations and things like that that are some new things that he has to pick up. But the, the, the fundamental part of it is it's, it's very much the same. All right, we are getting very close to the big unveiling of Plays of the Year. Yes, I want to show you a clip from my new movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Plays of the Year 2019. <laughs> the whole movie runs tomorrow, but here's a little teaser. A chance to send the thunder home. Lillard, long range three.
And the opening play. Yeah. Any guess? No. Okay. Okay. No. <laughs> Think Raptors playoffs. Oh, of course. A big shot. Hey, uh, from all of us here at Global, a very Merry Christmas to you and your family. Have a great night, everybody. Holy, jolly, holy, 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 holy.